Hey guys, welcome back. I'm currently recording this intro from my childhood bedroom back in Massachusetts because I'm home for the holidays, but I cannot believe we're on our third and final episode of the year. Time is just moving by way too quickly, but I'm so excited to share today's episode with you. I think the conversation had with this guest is just the perfect timing with the energy of the winter solstice and the new year quickly approaching. On this episode, we dive into her career journey and what it means to run an agency, but we also get much deeper than that and dive into spirituality, love, heartbreak, solo travels, relationships to our body image, and just beautiful personal breakthroughs. So let's dive into today's episode. Today's guest and good friend is New York and global-based Margot Alcriath. She is the founder and casting director of Dreamland Agency and is probably one of the most hardworking yet humble people I know in the industry. She's not only a talented and successful casting director, but she's also making a huge impact on how the industry labels models and talent standards. Her work represents the positive shift from exclusion to inclusion, and she has created a diverse and unique roster of beautiful humans inside and out. It's a perfect reflection of herself and the life she leads in the real world. Not only has she found success in her career, but she's an inspiration to those who have a hunger to explore the world and a curiosity for the beauty and love life has to offer. These are the conversations I absolutely live for, if you know me, and I'm really excited to share it with you. So I hope you guys enjoy, and I can't wait to share the lineup of guests for the new year. Stay warm and happy holidays. nice to see you I know I feel like it's been a hot minute but I also feel like I just saw you I know both but it's been too long so we'll change that soon yes I have to get a little visit from my cat oh my god let me see the babies well wait he loves coming but now he paused this is one guy Minnie oh my god okay something about him is so animated I know he's a little crazy he's like our little footballer oh my god um and the other one you'll see you'll meet him one day but all he does is like kiss you and it's super sweet uh, today's yeah. actually my cat's adoption day two years oh. ago so I'm like all in my feels of being a cat mama where is she he is back at home in mass with my mom because he is just such an outdoors boy and I felt so cruel to keep him like locked in a small New York apartment so we have shared custody <laughs> Okay, fair. Heartbreak that you're not with him today. I know, so sad. Um, but I love that you've been taking your cats on all your travels. Um, at least ready. local travels. Get ready because they're about to go to Europe for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cats are going to be international travelers. I hope it goes well. Um, oh my god, I love yeah. it. I know. Okay, I'm going to be gone for a few months, and I was like, I can't be apart from them and so we're gonna try to bring them and if it goes awful like obviously we won't do it again but you know I mean honestly valid um <laughs> I saw that you were subletting your apartment for a bit so where are you guys off to uh we're off to Sweden mm -hmm. for the holidays to be with his family and then we'll be in Mallorca for January 
come visit. Ugh, jealous. And oh, maybe yeah. February there too. We're still figuring out February. Oh my God. Amazing. Yeah. So I love that. it. You guys are so well-traveled. Awesome. The <laughs> yeah. I love it. Are you back in um, Brooklyn now? I know you were okay. upstate for a bit. I'm here. Okay. Um, yeah. Upstate was really nice and necessary for all the nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're back. I'll be back for like the next month. So oh, nice. Yeah. It's nice to be Amazing. here. Yes. Um, yeah, you inspired me. I went upstate last weekend and I'm going back again this weekend. So oh, where? I don't know yet. I'm honestly like we just rented a car last weekend, woke up and we're like, you know what? Let's get out of New York. Let's get out of the well, not New York, but let's get out of the city. Let's get out of Brooklyn. We have our same routine every weekend, which I adore, you know, like our little Williamsburg farmers market and upstate stock and all of that. But I was like, I just need to see the changing of the leaves so I can also change with the season and just like have some fresh mountain air. Um, And it was just so nice. We're doing it again tomorrow. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is like the nicest time of the year of New York. So I feel like this time and when the flowers bloom, so it's like really just got to take advantage of like every moment before all the gone and I cry. (laughs) I know. I know. And it's like, it's seventies this weekend. And then I feel like it's just gonna, you know, our ass is just going to be whooped with the cold very soon, especially you're going to Sweden. So, or Sweden or Switzerland, did you say? Sweden. And it's going to be freezing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I can only imagine. Yeah. I'm scared. I don't even like have a proper winter coat. I don't know where they are. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I, I feel like you're definitely a summer chaser. So it will, it'll be nice though. You know, that cold, fresh air on your skin. <laughs> waking weeks, I can take it for three weeks. It's just like, oh, this is so cozy. And I'm going to drink hot chocolate and yeah. sit by fire and just melt a little. Um, I love it. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, cozy times with the lover and the kitties. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Can't complain. Okay. Well, I'm so happy to have you on here. I know we talked about this like so long ago, and this has honestly been two years in the making, but I knew, thank you. Thank you. I knew I wanted like my season one of conversations to be with people that I personally know in New York and just have, you know, amazing stories that I've either discovered through like social or meeting in person and building friendships. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about your, you know, your journey today. So I like to start off. I don't know if I'll honestly continue with this because, you know, I never know where people stand with it, but I like to know everyone's astrology sign. Like what is their sun, moon rising? If they know all three, but if they only know the sun, that's totally fine. Oh, I always forget the others to be honest, but I'm an Aries. I'm shocked. I know. I know. I'm such a person that would know astrology, but it's like one of those things where it's like, I have all the apps, but I, my memory is absolute shit always has been. And anytime Same. people ask me, I'm like, Oh, I have to sign in and see what it says. It's like, <laughs> okay. I, well, we'll stick so with the Aries. I, yeah, I feel like I am an Aries, like full through and through, um, like very sensitive, warm, impatient, optimistic, like very high energy. Um, I just like relate to an Aries. So the rest yeah. is like, but it's like, I'm like half woo-woo and half really just like not in that world. <laughs> that's, honestly, that's so funny. I can so see that. I'm an Aries moon, so I understand the woman Aries energy totally. It's a great sign. <laughs> it is. You have to have a yeah. little bit of that fire. We're fiery for sure. Like, oh yeah. I've got it in me. 
Yeah. And I also have that woo woo because I'm like Aquarius sun, but then my moon is Aries. So it's like, people are like, I don't know you. Like, I don't get, you're like, so opposing ends of your signs. And I'm like, you know what? That's just me. So I'm just flowing with it. Which one do you relate to most? Honestly, probably my cancer rising, like super emotional and like, you know, like it's weird because my Aquarius doesn't want to feel emotion and kind of just like hates people. But then my cancer like loves people and loves emotion and loves like touch and love. And then my Aries fire is just like, you know, like to the point, get shit done. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely, I'm so sorry to everyone who has dated me and that's all I can say. Um, (laughs) okay. So let's start off with like, who are you? Like, let's just start off simple. Okay. Um, who am I? (laughs) The same thing. Um, I am Margo from New York. Um, I'm a lover, I think in general of beauty, Mm -hmm. um, like flowers and the sea and nature and people and vulnerability and warmth. Um, these are kind of the things that open me up and make me feel good. Cats can't forget cats. cats. (laughs) Can't forget the cats. Um, and like adventure and travel. I think these are kinds of the things that make me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of kind of what makes me nomadic as well is because my people are here in New York. What I absolutely feel is right for me is more nature and like being around sunshine. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. I love that. That's, that's so beautiful. <laughs> and yeah, that's how I see you as well. So let's I'm dive into Yeah, no, it's true. I think most people would agree. Um, Okay. So let's talk about your background story a little bit before your travels to Bali, which we'll get into and a little bit of the spiritual path. And we've had conversations one-on-one when we've hung out um, and I'm just like, Oh my God, tell me more, tell me more. Um, but yeah, let's go with it. If you want it. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. We're here. Uh, I mean, we'll see like how I feel like they all kind of go hand in hand eventually. So I might, uh, honestly flow with it. Yeah. So my upbringing, um, as I said, I'm from New York, um, grew up like 45 minutes north of the city. Um, I grew up in spirituality in the sense that my father was, after 9-11, became a spiritual teacher before that he was doing like a normal day job. Um, but I grew up from birth going to an ashram where we followed a guru. And that was kind of something we did like, you know, a few times a month or at least once a month where we'd go for the weekend and follow the guru and, you know, meditate and chant and do seva, which is like community service. And we spent every new year's there for many years. And, um, yeah, I think that when I was a kid, I was more like, this isn't cool. I just want to be with my friends. Like I got my first boyfriend. I was like, I don't want to do this. And like my brother and sister were very committed and full in with my father. Um, and I was a little just more rebellious and I just want to do the cool things. And um, yeah, so I kind of like verged out of that path. I think I stopped before anyone else in my family and yeah, I went to college for business um because I didn't know I had no clue what I wanted to do like I went to be honest like it's embarrassing but also amazing to admit now is like I chose my school based on the fact that it was the biggest party school (laughs) (laughs) I think that was most people's like you know lane 
I think that I've gone through like, you know, some people have been who they are since they can remember. And I think I've gone through many, many phases of changing completely who I am, how I dress, who my friends are, how I identify. Like it's been a like a very continuous evolving process. Um, I feel like maybe in the past five, six years, I've felt like this is who I am as a woman. Um, but before that it was, yeah, really ever changing. So I went through my party college days <laughs> and yeah, I'm like, what else do I tell you about my childhood? But, um, yeah, I went through that. And then my first job out of college was interning at Elite, which is one of the top modeling agencies. And I think that the way I ended up there was um, when I graduated, I was like, oh God, like, what am I going to do with my life? Mm -hmm. um, and I always felt that I would like look through magazines and be like, why is this person? Like, I don't understand why this person was cast for this. Like, I didn't even probably use the word cast because I didn't even necessarily understand the process, yeah. but I just felt like this person should not be in this ad. Yeah, and yeah. a strange thing that I feel like I noticed even in like, you know, middle school days when I was like going through all these magazines, like I just never felt, or not never, a lot of the times the casting was great, but a lot of the times I was just like, this is not the right person for this. And I think yeah. like- this is also maybe like a, a, a weird process, but I had a lot of like body images growing up. And mm -hmm. I think that I looked a lot towards models as being yeah. this perfect creature that mm -hmm. I wanted to be like. And so I think I was very drawn to the model world, yeah. um, A, because I wanted to be like them and yeah. wanted to be a part of this like accepted crowd. And then also I had this eye where I felt I you know, had this knowledge of like, who could be better for a shoot than someone else. Yeah. So that was kind of like the birth of how I started in the industry. Um, but I will say I started as like, you know, I was bartending all through college and doing a yeah. lot of side jobs. And when I first graduated, I was literally working like three bartending jobs and interning at elite and sleeping in the car. <laughs> yeah. Like there was like days where like police would knock on my window <laughs> and be like, uh, are you okay? And this is illegal. Like you can't sleep in the car. Oh my God. You're like, I'm just working. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm hustling over here. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that was like one summer of intensity, um, where I was doing like four jobs and just like, you know, internships don't really pay. And I wanted yeah. to make money and hustle and move to the city. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of the start. I don't know if like the career stuff, if there's more of like more you want to know besides yeah let's pick up here. from that um first internship or job that you had because I know that your story like obviously there's this path of which you've explained your story to me so we can just go down it and okay. let's start off from that internship because I know that there's a point where you go and visit your brother and things shift so let's hear about it okay <laughs> okay so the career process kind of started as I interned at elite I was bartending um from there got like a really random job they couldn't hire me after the internship they didn't have a role available my boss was like oh my friend he works as a wardrobe stylist in florida like doing these on an army base like doing oh, interesting trainings for people that are going to war and they use a stylist to dress people as um 
as the citizens of whatever country they're going to. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was really, it was crazy. So like, you know, took a lot of crazy jobs, like going to the middle of Florida and living on an army base for seven weeks and like helping style people. It was just, I was kind of taking anything and everything to just like make it through, make money and like get more experience in the industry. Yeah. Um, then just started going back and forth from casting direction and agent life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started working for like some of the top casting directors at the time. And honestly, still um, just like working as an assistant, getting them coffee, anything I could. Yeah. Actually, have a very funny story of one of the casting directors I worked for, who is very notable. So I won't mention names. (laughs) I ended up getting fired at one point. I mean, I was an assistant. I don't know if I was fired because I was freelance, but she stopped putting schedule. And I, the reason why was because we had all these like top models coming in, and Mm -hmm. I was not even to them, but when I was saying their name in the office. I was mispronouncing their names and she lost it on me. Like, oh my God. you should know how to say these people's names. And I was like, okay, like, oh. I don't know. I, I was like, I study models.com all the time, but like, I don't know how to pronounce it, you know? Oh my God. Uh, yeah. It was one of those, you know, um, wasn't, you know, the easiest of jobs in some ways, yeah. uh, but I kind of fell in love with the industry and I never, like it was a process of learning, like, do I want to be a casting director or do I want to be an agent? And Mm -hmm. what I felt was that as an agent, I didn't have enough say in the creative process. Um, I thought that maybe I would, but I didn't. And so I ended up going back to casting direction um, and worked for full time for a company for four, five years, Um, helped them bring their office from LA to New York and had a generally really beautiful experience with this company. but I did get to a point where I just felt like there was no growing. It was kind yeah. of me and the boss. And I just felt both financially and just creativity, like creatively. And in all ways, there was very little room for me to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started to look for a new job, do, doing something different. Um, took a job as a photography agent and starting a casting division for a creative agency. Oh, cool. And yeah, and this was going to be kind of like a new path. I was doing my own thing there and, you know, I would be the only casting director and starting a board there. So, um, I was really excited about it. Um, and then things changed really quick, which I can tell you about. Yeah. Um, so about three, no, like, I think, Maybe like two months before I quit my job, my brother told me, my, so my brother's a spiritual teacher mm-hmm. and he told me um, that there's this woman, I don't know if she's a healer or what she calls herself, a therapist healer, mm-hmm. but she has some really strong instinctive feelings, um, a little bit psychic in ways. Yeah. And he said to me and my sister, like, I really want you guys to see this woman. I'm going to pay for a session for you because you guys need to see her. And I was like, okay, sure. So I have a session with this woman and she just says to me, you know, we're on video and she, this is probably six years ago. uh, She says to me, don't say anything. Just breathe with me for the next 30 minutes. (laughs) Don't say anything. Yeah. So. 
breathe. And during the session, I'm kind of like, what the hell is this? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> okay. And all of a sudden she just starts saying to me without me saying a word, um, you're so heartbroken. You're so heartbroken. She was like, you act so strong. You want to be, you know, you always want to be someone that that's strong and you don't need anyone and you're okay, but you're not okay. Like you're not okay. She's like, you need to go lay in bed and cry for a week. Like you don't mm -hmm. need to be strong. You don't need to be strong. Mm -hmm. And I, at first I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I felt like, I didn't say this, but in my head, I was like, I'm really happy. Like I'm good. Yeah. And it was so strange what happened after that. Cause she really just kept emphasizing, like, you don't need to be strong. And something happened over the next couple of days where I completely like unraveled mm -hmm. and felt every emotion I could possibly feel truly laid in bed and cried for days. Um, and just realized there's a lot maybe that I wasn't acknowledging mm -hmm. and it wasn't anything that was specific. Like it wasn't a specific person or a specific thing. I think it was just a lot of pain inside of me that yeah. I wasn't aware of because I was always busy and going out with friends and working and just like not paying attention to that. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you just need someone to actually hold the space for you to feel it, exactly. you know, as simple as that. Exactly. Um, so, oh, I kind of missed a part that Let's backtrack. Let's I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Okay. So I will say, sorry, what I will <laughs> no, say don't is um, going back to when I first graduated. So I had kind of gone out of spirituality for a while, um, not out of it, but I just, I wasn't actively learning yeah. or working on myself or anything. I was just in college and partying and having fun. Yeah. And when I was 21, I went through like a heart shattering breakup mm -hmm. and it was really this time it, it was like a death for me of like trust of of myself in a lot of ways because I never I'd never seen myself in this way or known that someone could do something like this and I was very innocent I think before that yeah. and this kind of like shook me up to be like oh life's not innocent like yeah. life's fair <laughs> and um I traveled for three months. I, I traveled for, with um, a stranger then who's now a best friend. We backpacked in the Middle East. And that was my first um, real travel experience that was more outlandish, like yeah. backpacking and um, really just winging everything we did, couch surfing. Like we didn't have a lot of money. We were just like couch surfing on people's couches in Turkey and in Lebanon and in Greece oh and God. everywhere. Yeah, it was, it was really wild and beautiful. Um, but the truth is I was really heartbroken during that whole trip. Mm -hmm. And it was then that I started reaching out to my father and my brother a lot, like emailing them, just being like, I'm in the most beautiful places in the world. And I'm just devastated. Like, I can't think of anything else. I'm going crazy. Mm -hmm. And they started really just sending me these beautiful long emails of things to help, ways to process the pain, books to read, everything. And like, you know, having long calls with me when I could, but that was rare then. Yeah. And that kind of brought me back, like the pain of the heartbreak really now I can obviously see was like the best thing that ever happened to me because A, it made me travel because I was like, get me the fuck out of a country where this yeah. man is. Mm -hmm. And B, like just brought me back to 
my own journey and my yeah. own spiritual growth. Um, so that is kind of how I stepped back into spirituality. And then, um, you know, from there, I think it was just a process of therapy and retreats when I could and reading books that, you know, from teachers that really help um, like the untethered soul or when things mm. fall apart or Gangaji or things yeah. like this, Eckhart Tolle. We need uh, to add in um, your book recommendations to oh, the description of this episode. Perfect. Okay, well, um, I will send you some. So yeah, so that's kind of, I was from there on very aware and conscious and constantly a work in progress, but I wasn't necessarily doing anything super active for my path. So when this happened with this woman, it kind of just put me in this place where I felt I really needed to address things. And then my brother saw a medium. He was living in Bali at the time. He saw a medium and a medium sent a message to me from him. And he's like, I didn't tell him anything about you. I, like you just came up and the medium said, tell your sister, she's not using her heart. Like she's, mm. she's closed off her heart. Um, she feels that people are afraid of the love that she can give. Mm -hmm. Like people aren't welcoming of her love. And this was something that when he told me, I was like, holy fuck, because yeah. I felt that New York, even though I was from New York and I didn't know much else in a lot of ways, I'd been dating and single for like, I don't know, eight years at that point in New York city. And I yeah. think as anyone who's dated for a long time in New York knows, it can be really exhausting and really fun, <laughs> really exhausting. And if you are someone with a really open heart and really vulnerable, which is something that whether I like it or not, like I am a full open vulnerable heart, like yeah. almost always, <laughs> as long as I feel safe, um, it can really beat you down. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, so he said that and I was like, okay, this is weird. I ended up quitting my job because I just like a lot of things started to transpire from this. Um, went to go to Bali for vacation for New Year's. It was like, I had three weeks between when I quit my job and when I was starting my new job. Mm -hmm. Went to Bali and my brother was there and it was honestly just the craziest experience of my life. <laughs> um, I'll try to keep it like short and simple. So um, he had all these different healers and teachers and places for me to go, um, that if I wanted to, and I did, and every, like, it was just every healer and teacher that I spoke to was still saying how much pain I'm in and all these truths that as soon as they said it, I really felt. And just yeah. like anger that I still had of this heartbreak from when I was 21. And I had long gotten over the, the guy, yeah. um, but I think the pain of when someone hurts you, like if you don't deal with that and you don't process it and you don't feel it, um, it can affect you really long-term. Absolutely. And I thought I had, honestly, like I thought I had processed it and cried and done what I needed to do, but it was still coming up. Um, so yeah, um, from that experience, I think there was one night specifically, which I'll share. It was a cacao ceremony. Um, mm -hmm. And after the cacao ceremony, everyone was dancing and there was these women that were dancing with me and like, kind of just like caressing me and saying like, I love you to me, which sound, it sounds very almost like sexual or like, mm -hmm. you know, they wanted something. I don't know. It was such an interesting moment because what I felt was 
it was two girls kind of separately, but they also knew each other that were just dancing with me and embracing me in the most loving way. I think a woman has ever embraced me without it being sexual. Yeah. I just felt like I cry. I started crying and I was like, I can't go back to New York. Mm. It was like that exact moment. And it was just like, this is what the, because I think, you know, I, maybe it's who I am, but I always had these conditions around, well, if you're too affectionate, someone's going to think this of you, or they're going to think you have a crush. Like, I don't even know. Yeah. This was just like full love without anything. Mm. And it touched me in like such a deep way, because I think that's always what I wanted to be able to give, but was too afraid. Yeah. And from there, yeah, I came back to New York after my three-week trip and, um, you know, I had said I'm moving there, but I didn't actually know what was going to happen. I went to my job because it was an amazing job opportunity and I was excited about it. This was a new job. A new job in New York as um, a photographer's agent and starting a casting direction division for this creative agency. Okay. And I started and I'm sitting at my desk. (laughs) And the first day within, I'm telling you within three hours, I was like, I can't believe I've sat at a desk my entire life working for someone else. I just can't believe it. I just, what the hell am I doing? Like I, it was just beyond the mind because obviously the mind is like, Margo, you can't just move to Bali. That's crazy. Like you have a life, you have a, you need money. It was so strong of a feeling of you cannot do this anymore. You're done. Yeah. And I immediately asked the boss, the owner, like we went and got coffee and I said, can we like go get coffee? And I told her like, I'm so sorry. Like, this is so not like me. I'm really responsible. I very much am. If I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Um, and I just said like, I think I need to move to Bali. Like Mm. I, I think I need to quit. (laughs) And, um, I worked with that. How was that conversation? She was actually lovely. Yeah. Uh, she was really lovely. And I kind of told her a bit about the spiritual experience. And I think she was the right person to understand. Yeah. Um, So she was super supportive. She was a mother. And I think she understood, but of course, a little bit shocked. Yeah, of course. And yeah, that was kind of that with that job. Um, I will say a lot of my friends, more men, which is so interesting, were like, Margaret, you can't do this. Like, yeah, realistic like you don't think everyone wants to move to Bali like the you know fixers. men are always yeah. the fixers yeah you know? but like life exists like yeah. you, need to, you need to make money and yeah I was surprised it was mostly men and I guess maybe it's like a protector like they yeah. just don't want to fuck your life up mm-hmm. uh, anyways so I moved to Bali <laughs> yeah. I love it but I it love like it two weeks later I just you literally hopped on a plane, flew across the world, and then hopped back on the plane. Yeah. It was a one-way ticket. And yeah. And I had a goodbye party because I was like, I don't know if or when I'm ever coming back because it's my family and everyone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just a one-ended, I know I need to commit this time to myself. Mm. And this is the this is my chance. You yeah. know, I'm young enough. I don't have a family. I don't yeah. have any commitments. I can't leave. And I was terrified, but I also really, really trusted the universe that yeah. this is what I needed. Um, and I also, in a lot of ways, felt I was done with the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt, I don't know, just a little bit over it. And yeah. like, 
I did this, what I- This was before a lot of diversity with models in terms of like size and like yeah, just what? everything in general. It was, it was definitely like a different time. Yeah. Um, although it was, of course, I mean, from 10 years ago, it was already getting better. It, yeah. was, it was evolving. Um, but yeah, so moved to Bali <laughs> and just like kind of engaged in like a lot of healing, just women's yeah. retreats and sessions with different healers, a lot of body work, which was really new for me. Mm-hmm. Like I'd never done um, things like breath work or um, body work with teachers who physically make, you know, like your hands freeze and your mouth freezes and you shake and you yeah. scream and like letting out a lot of just anger and sadness and, you know, writing letters to the child, inner child and mm. what I needed. And it, it was just a process that was way deeper than reading a book or, you know, going to one class or these things that I'd done before. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. everyone needs a, like a part of their life to just focus on this and like learn about themselves and the healing that needs to happen because, you know, we all have to work. So maybe our whole lives, we can't dedicate this much time unless you are a healer. Um, but at least then you have the tools and like the knowledge and, you know, like the spirituality that you continue. Cause it's a life process. I do. I mean, I wish everyone was given, you know, a year or six months to just fully be with themselves and what they need to process and not have yeah. to think about these things. Um, but yeah, I was really lucky in that the company that I quit, actually, I, I asked them like, do you want to keep me on a remote and pay me a lot less? Yeah. And they said, yes. So, Oh, amazing. Yeah. So obviously like in Bali, like your money goes a really long way and I was able yeah. to survive off that. And like, I started, you know, doing little things like teaching kids in English uh, kids in China, English online and being on a jewelry line, which I didn't end up selling, but I created a bunch of things Yeah, selling kimonos. And I was just kind of anything I could do to make money. I was just doing, Yeah, um, but you know, life was chill. And were I, you just kind of like flowing with it at this point? Or were you starting to have an idea of like what you wanted for a career or no. was it just still kind of up in the air? It was I, what I really wanted was just like passive income at that point, or like I wanted to create something and then let that be passive income. So like the jewelry line or the kimono line, Mm -hmm. like that was my idea was, oh, if this can take off, you know, I can be free with my time, but also have something that's my baby that I love. And that's bringing in money. Mm. Um, That's the dream. So (laughs) yeah, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So at that time I wasn't imagining getting back into the fashion industry at Mm. all. Um, and I think it took eventually, like I stopped working with that company and, you know, I was turning 30, um, Mm. like I'd been there a year and a half. I was turning 30 and I felt a bit like shit. Okay. Money's Mm -hmm. running low. You're turning 30. Like maybe you need to think about things and get your shit together a little bit. And I was really lucky that I came home back to New York for a month just to visit people after a year. In that time, I saw a producer and she ended up reaching out to me later while I was in Bali to do some castings. And she, I'd worked with her previously, like when I was at a different company and she had just reached out personally. And I did a few castings with her remote and kind of saw how much I loved doing the job when I was doing it for myself. And I was speaking to the client. And when I had like so so much more say and just 
in to the whole world of the conversation where before it was kind of like my boss was more speaking to the, like a lot of the clients or I wasn't involved in as much of the process. Yeah. So once I was doing it for myself, I was like, I love this. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Great. Um, unfortunately, she actually found out. I didn't tell her I was in Bali, which I just thought like I'm working US hours. It doesn't matter. I was working all night and sleeping during the day during those castings because obviously it's like a 12, it's a 12 hour difference in Bali. So it's quite So you, it's kind of like a nine to five where you're given like a project and you have to work on it throughout the day, or is it more like a project and you can do it on your own time? It depends. Like some days is you need to be doing specific things at certain times because there's a physical casting the next day or something like this was before COVID. Um, And I had some people in New York that helped me run like the physical parts if Mm. needed. So I had a team and everything was done as professionally as it would have been if I was here. Yeah. Um, but she did find out at one point that I was in Bali and maybe I told her, not <laughs> thinking it was a big deal. And she kind of stopped using me after that. <laughs> and I was like, mm-hmm. damn, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. People didn't understand remote life yet. So, yeah. Okay. This is pre-pandemic this, remote living. Yeah, okay. exactly. In this way, COVID was actually such a blessing for me because yeah, I agree. remote life is so accepted and just- mm that people yeah. don't doubt that you're working as hard as you would be yeah and doing it anywhere in the world in the comfort of you know your schedule yeah 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 so um that kind of gave me this taste of what I could have and I was excited about it yeah <laughs> so, yeah around when I turned 30 I started making like business I decided like I created a casting by Margo was the name at the time oh okay and, yeah, this is before like, I knew you, so I didn't I know. know. Oh Crazy. So it was called Casting by Margo. It was just casting direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I created my business cards in Bali, like did oh, all okay. these. Yeah, it was such a like funny moment of my life. Um, and I just, I, I did a bit of traveling first. I didn't know at the time where I was going to go. If I was going to go to New York or go to Australia or go yeah. somewhere else. Um, I spent some time in Thailand and India and then was ready and was like, okay, I'm going to come back to New York and try to pursue this as a career. So yeah, I, um, I moved back. Can I ask you before we get into New York? Um, I know that you said your brother was in Bali, but I'm curious for those listening that, you know, have an interest in moving anywhere else in the world out of the States. What was it like like, I know you had the support of your brother being there, like a connection, but moving by yourself, I hear a lot of couples moving, traveling for long terms, you know, you have that support of your person, but there's a lot of single people who want to do it. And it's like very scary to go somewhere alone, not have friends there, not have a significant other or a job or a roommate or anything of that. So what was that like for you? I can actually say so much about this. And I'm so glad you asked because I feel that I've had, so part of my traveling journey started obviously traveling with this random girl at the time. But after that, I basically did a solo trip once a year, every year. And yeah, like I went, I mean, I went, I did crazy things. Like I went to like (laughs) Colombia, didn't speak Spanish, didn't have a phone. Like I didn't even at the time, like take my phone or like have internet on my phone. And I would like on buses and hostels and trying to figure it all out. And like getting really lost and getting in terrifying situations, not like, okay, not terrifying, but part of it has, I've learned about myself later was I think that I had this resentment in a way because so many of my friends were in couples and they would travel as couples. And I felt this sense of like, 
I don't need a man to do this. Like, yeah, I love it. Travel, watch me do all these beautiful things with no one. And I think Aries girl, hundred percent, hundred percent. I also, I was a little like upset because I, I felt like a lot of my girlfriends, like they either, you know, they either couldn't take off work or they didn't have money or they, it yeah. was always, or they had a boyfriend and they wanted to go with them. And yeah. I just, I'm such a fun person to travel with. Like, I'm really good at traveling. Like, come with me. This is so strange. And I think that that, like, it, that was kind of in my early twenties. And then I just built up this, like, I travel by myself and I love it. And like, I don't need anyone or anything. And like, look at me go. Honestly, power to you. I yeah. think more Thank people you. need these solo trips. I honestly think that the solo trips were always the biggest spiritual moments of my life. Like the realizations that come to you when you're alone and in places that you don't know and eat by yourself at restaurants and go on a boat that you think you're going to die. And you're like, with strangers <laughs> who don't speak your language. And you're just like praying with these strangers, you know, yeah, I think it makes you vulnerable and like it, open and receptive a hundred percent. And I think yeah, so I can I completely understand the the fear of of going and traveling by yourself. And it's not for everyone, but I think yeah. I will say that so when I did go to Bali, my brother has been a nomad for like 10 plus years and he wow. always was around. So when I went, he was there, but I didn't think he was staying because he's mm-hmm. never stayed anywhere. He's always moving around. Yeah. Um, so I did have him, which was such a blessing and probably a big part of why I felt I could leave my whole life to go. He also was like, I might be here a month, you know? And I, I mean, I lived on my own. Um, it was quite scary because there's also a lot of snakes there. Oh, and no. I had a lot of situations with snakes, mm-hmm. which is so fucking crazy. Like, like literally at one point snakes in my bed. Like, no. I woke up- like woke up to a snake. I have a video. It's so insane, but I had, yeah, I had cats that had kittens and the kittens took the snake into my bed. Yeah. (gasps) So I will say I had a million moments that maybe weren't comfortable or I felt, God, I wish someone was here with me. Um, but also I made, I I can't say I made so many friends. I did, but but it's a very transient place and people Mm -hmm. are always coming and going and I did make some like some lifelong friends and I also yeah. met a guy there who I ended up being with for a year mm. and that was super love filled and supportive for my journey at the time just like yeah. have someone help me through what I was going through yeah um, and to have like a beautiful relationship after one that wasn't so great yeah also yeah. like this was my first relationship that was long term after being heartbroken like 10 years before it was also this I mean to me it's kind of full circle and like I finally was honoring this pain that I was in and then like a really beautiful and supportive love came to me that really kind of made me not that I ever didn't believe in love but it it kind of just made me believe in it again and trust in it again so yeah that came at a very nice time but Bali specifically and a lot of I mean, so I stayed in Ubud, which is a very spiritual community, but Mm. there were months where I would live in, you know, Chenggu or Uluwatu, which is a Mm. bit more like surfer or fun. And there's so many single women in Bali specifically. Eat, pray, love vibes. (laughs) Eat, pray, love vibes, a hundred percent. And also in a lot of these communities like Copanyan or, or Goa, or like, you know, these spiritual oases, I do think it brings a lot, a lot of single men and women yeah, um, who are also like on a quest to, you know, find themselves and learn about themselves. And, you know, it doesn't have to be as extreme as finding yourself, but just journey. 
Um, well, I think my belief too is, you know, you said you moved there alone. There was a lot of times of discomfort and, you know, you experienced a really beautiful love and healings and friendships or just love from strangers that you maybe wouldn't experience off the bat in New York, especially because everyone tends to be a little closed here naturally. Um, but if you can make yourself a life like that on your own, it makes you so receptive to a partnership that you're still an individual, you know, who you are, you have, you know, so much compassion for another person and so much love for yourself. Um, so it just really sets you up. If you're that type of person that wants a relationship, wants a love and like wants this future and, you know, wants to go home to New York. It's like, if you can do this on your own, you'd have so much love and compassion and space for another human, multiple like friendships, lovers, also with casting, you're working with so many different humans and personalities and you have that space for all of them. So it's like super important. I think, like you said, it is full circle. It is full circle. And I think that I really can't say enough good things about traveling by yourself because I know how scary it is. And I, I just think it's such a beautiful journey to go on. Even if you just go for a week somewhere, that's a bit more comfortable just to push yourself. Um, because it was definitely something that I never thought I would do yeah. if you had asked me before. So yeah. I fully support all women on their journey to being comfortable alone. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's not always easy, mm-hmm. uh, but it's really rewarding. So let's dive into, so now, you know, you started it, it was an agency, correct? The casting by Margo. Casting by Margo was an agency, a casting okay. agency. Yeah. Okay. And then really- you came back to New York. Yeah. So I started that, but essentially I didn't really start it until I came back. I just okay. like make the business cards, got the ideas together. I think I had started working on a website. Um, and did you already yeah. have people like that you thought of, like, did you have to reach out and say like, like, is it more, I know for when you're, um, an agent, you know, you, you have models that you manage, but with casting, you're working on projects to pull in talent. So how does that happen when you're starting your own business? Did you already have these connections and people? Yeah. So, and some people are a little confused about the difference between casting and management or like, Mm -hmm. so I'll also explain that. So casting is essentially that you can go to other agencies or other platforms to find the right person. So when I cast something for someone, I'm going to, you know, most, if not every modeling agency, like of the top modeling agencies, um, whether it's, you know, in New York or Europe or LA or wherever it is. So it's like, I go to all the agencies and I have those contacts and I've had those contacts for quite some time. So I know a lot of people in that section of the industry. Yeah. Um, and then I also have always specialized in street scouting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always had this roster of, you know, thousands of people in New York and LA, um, and worldwide, um, that just were cool and interesting, but didn't fit a model look or yeah. size or height or whatever. So this was a big thing for me as, so I came back, didn't have much money, kind of just was like, okay, you have to make this amount of money every month to pay your rent and eat and see if you can do it. And I gave myself six months Mm -hmm. and I said, cause I didn't really want to be in New York to be honest. I was, it was a really hard transition going from Bali to somewhere, somewhere so open and like everyone is, is on this path with you. Not everyone, but most people. And then you kind of come back to New York and, and even with my friends, I had a really hard time. Like, I just felt like I wasn't necessarily, 
not that anyone did anything, but I wasn't necessarily understood or um, they were very supportive and loving, but it was like, they would be talking about something that was, you know, New York and parties or I don't know, not even parties, not even yeah. shower, but I just felt like, I'm not, I'm not there. Like yeah, I just I struggle with the about any of these things. And yeah. I don't know. I just remember moments of also like I'd come, I had been in secure. I mean, security comes in and out all the time, but yeah. it was like these moments where they were talking about their appearance a lot. And I just, mm. I was in a moment where I wasn't thinking about that stuff or, yeah. and I felt like I don't want to be around too much care about these things. And yeah. I was having a really hard time just adjusting, coming back to city life and city mm. conversation. And, um, so yeah, I was struggling and I was like, okay, you have six months to try to make this work. If you don't, what the fuck are you going to do? And I was like thinking, okay, maybe, and I'm not even, I, I mean, I do yoga, but I'm not a yogi by any means or yeah. really good at yoga. I was like, okay, like maybe I'll be a kid's yoga teacher and move to Portugal. <laughs> and I had, I, I don't even know, like, I just like kids and I like yoga. So I just like, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I'm Portugal. So I had these kind of like little ideas of, okay, this really might not work. What's mm. your backup plan? And kind of went full force. Mm. And in those six months, it was really like, I went to a work, uh, like an internet cafe or a cafe and would send hundreds of emails every single day. Oh my God. It was, yeah, I didn't take it lightly. I was really yeah. like, I'm going to reach out to every contact I have, every person I know that could possibly get me work and just say like, Hey, I'm working on my own now, or I don't even know exactly what I said, but I said like, Hey, I'm, I'm open for casting. If you're available or need any assistance, here I am that kind of thing. And I would have, like, I had a Google doc where I would write every single person I wrote, what date. And then I would follow up three months later and I would write, if they wrote me back, I would write everything. Um, I was really, I used to do this for photography as well. <laughs> I was like on a path. I was just yeah. like, I'm not taking no for an answer. People need to respond to me. And you know, like you send 300 emails in a day and you get heard, you get a reply from one, maybe yeah. like if you're, lucky. yeah, it's rough out there. It's rough. And I think like, this is one thing that I have said to any friends who are starting their own thing or want to start their own thing is, I mean, of course it depends on the business, but yeah. for me, it was like, it was really being persistent. Mm. Like I am going to fight for this. Yeah. I'm going to fight for this to work. I'm going to fight for my happiness. Like, yes, I believe in the, like, and I trust in the universe to give you what you need, but I also believe that if you want something, you need to really go for it. Oh yeah. It's a marriage and of the two for sure. It's a, exactly. And so, yeah. Um, after six months, I would say, and like aggressively reaching out, you know, it'd be like little castings here and there. I made my rent and my food every month. And Amazing. yeah. And then eventually after six months, I got my first campaign, <sighs> which I was so thrilled about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it was almost like this big break of, yeah. wow, I was just on the moon. Um, and from there, things just started flowing from there. It was not so much of an effort, even though even to this day, whenever it's slow, I'm like, oh, what clients don't we have? You know, yeah, yeah. I, I am still very proactive, but from there, it just got easier. And I just felt more like, oh, I, A, I love this. I'm good at it. And people are coming back. So that's great. Um, 
That's yeah. amazing. And how did it make the shift from by Margot to dreamland? Okay. Well, this is a bit crazy. So it was casting by Margot. Then mm-hmm. during COVID, I was dead for like the first four months mm-hmm. and I was freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my God. I was like sitting in my apartment, like my job is gone. Yeah. I don't know if I'll ever make money again. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And I started, um, I'd always had this dream of starting a street scout agency mm-hmm. and I've actually even proposed it to the old company I worked for. Like, why don't we like start repping some of these street scouts? Yeah. And they were kind of like, yeah, maybe, I don't know if it's worth it. Like whatever. So yeah. anyways, this was always something that I, I felt that clients continuously came to me. I mean, of course I can, I can cast models, but it specifically came to me because I had this roster that no one else had. So when COVID hit, I ended up, since I wasn't working, I started traveling and mm-hmm. like month to month Airbnbs for, you know, like a year, basically at that time I was actually in Sedona, which is mm-hmm. an incredible place. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was in Sedona and I just, it was October of 2020, October of 2021, October of 2021. Okay. Um, I just thought like, maybe now's the time to start the street sketch agency, yeah. <clears throat> which like, in one way is like, now's definitely not the time because <laughs> the world is falling apart. You don't know what is going to happen, but I just thought I I've never been so slow and yeah. I actually have the time to give to this. Let me just try. Like, yeah. and I just started in little ways, like putting together who my top faces would be and reaching out also to friends. So I'm lucky that a lot of the people that are now on my board, which is like a talent board. I have, I represent, I think like 75 people. Oh my God. Um, yeah, it's a lot. So a lot of those people were either friend, at least from the beginning, were either friends or people that I'd street scouted for other projects in the past. So we met once or mm. twice at casting, but we knew of each other. And, okay. um, so yeah, I just started to reach out to some people and say, Hey, like, I just want to be like, I was really honest in that. I cannot promise you anything. I don't know what will happen. I don't know if this will go anywhere. I don't know if I'll make you any money, Mm -hmm. but can you trust me and try? And it's so funny because I was so nervous to have calls with so many of these people because a lot of them were also, you know, like a big deal in a lot of ways in my eyes and people that had these careers and these followings and they were, you know, elite in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And I was really nervous to approach them with this concept because I thought so many people were just like, no way, like who is this girl? Um, And it was kind of the opposite. Like, I really have to say the support was insane from the beginning where I really think maybe like one or two people, if any, like maybe one or two people said no. And it wasn't even a no because of me or anything. I think they were just like, oh, I don't feel like modeling or I don't don't really want to do this right now or whatever. They were in a different place. So yeah, that's kind of how it started. And this is for like repping them as in uh, like more of a, a model agent or a talent agent. Exactly. So it's, I mean, it's a street scout agency. I call it like casting and management. Um, I think talent and model can go hand in hand. Yeah. A lot of them. And I would say like most of the people on the board are also artists or therapists or, 
you know, work on a farm or they do things that are, I mean, not everyone, but a lot yeah. are also have their own passions and jobs and things that make them interesting and human. Yeah. And so it's a little bit of both. Like sometimes mm -hmm. people hire someone for what they do and giving that story. And sometimes people hire people just because they're beautiful. And I worked, and this is part of the reason that I always wanted to start a street scout agency is that I worked for a few different agencies mm -hmm. um, that are like the more standard, bigger ones yeah, and with like straight sizes. And I saw so many things. Like I was so young. I was like 21, 22 and, yeah. and didn't have any say in how things were done, but I saw so many things happen that I just felt really sad about mm -hmm. uh, like just models who are, you know sometimes they're 17 16 from America just like coming in and they don't know anything yeah and really trusting agents to advise them on everything I think that a lot of uh, the agencies that I experienced back then they were like, taking advantage in ways like Char overcharging for a model apartment and they think they're getting yeah. a good deal but they're charging so much or able to lose or gain weight mm -hmm. and like that was just something that I felt like I never want anyone to ever be told what to do with their body like yeah. never ever ever like it was a really big um that was a really big thing for me that I felt really sad when I was part of those conversations mm -hmm. even though I was never the one saying it I was part of it and I witnessed yeah. it and also just like watching people like models go into debt because, you know, agencies can like charge for test shoots or different things, make this money back, but they don't. Yeah. It was just things that I saw that I just thought like, this doesn't feel like a safe space for mm -hmm. them. And mm -hmm. so that was also part of why I wanted to start something where people also like, you know, even this, this seems so crazy, but like a lot of people say they don't get paid, you yeah. know, like. So, or they get paid like really like years in advance and they have to fight for it and all these things. So I was like, okay, I want to do this differently. First of all, no size requirements. You mm -hmm. are who you are. You're beautiful. If you gain weight and you, or you lose weight, like, okay, then that's yeah. who you are now. Like we're evolving and you're going to get paid on time and communication is going to be clear. And I'm never going to take money or like do anything without your consent. So yeah, so that was a big part of it. And you know, there are other agencies who are inclusive. And I will say like the industry is changing so much, mm -hmm. like from then even to now, but also yeah. you know, it's just, it's really people are so like clients too, are so much more open. I mean, I yeah. think runway is still runway and that's usually not going to be super inclusive, but I think we take what we can get for now. It's like slowly yeah. things are changing. And yeah, maybe, we're seeing some runways slowly shifting as well. I mean, a little bit I, for sure just like a tiny bit, but I'm definitely loving seeing, uh, the changes in the industry. Um, and I mean, I even was binge watching that, like Victoria's secret. Um, what is it? Like, oh, the, I, I do you know what I'm talking about on Netflix? I think or yeah. who, whatever it is. And I now, I mean, I just was in awe that, you know, growing up, I was idolizing these women and thinking that if I didn't look like that, I was not worthy of love, friendship, success, anything. And, you know, it definitely yeah. takes a toll on you. I'm Lebanese, Italian, and Portuguese. I'm a curvy girl and I'll naturally never, I've been, you know, a size two before, and it was very restrictive. It was very unhealthy, mentally, physically, everything. And to idolize these women and not see girls that, uh, you know, look like you on covers or on projects or on runways, um, and you know, men idolizing these other people and you're just like, okay, something 
is not right here. Um, and now I think because, you know, our phones listen to us, I'm getting all these Victoria's Secret ads on my phone after watching that. But now I'm seeing all these, you know, curvy models. I think, you know, they're trying to make up for, you know, being canceled a bit, but I'm just like, oh, wow, what a shift. And I know it's mainly to save their ass, but you know, we're all here. We're making mistakes and learning from it and growing and shifting, but you know, to stay positive, but yeah, it's been such a shift and I'm here for it to keep going. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, a hundred percent. And like, it does honestly give me a lot of comfort to just feel like people grow. I mean, they have their own issues now with social media and all these things we didn't yeah. have when we were younger, yeah. but it is still just comforting to feel like <clears throat> people are going to see advertisements with people that look like them in media yeah. and that feels good. And, you know, we have some models that are five, 10 and a size zero <laughs> as much as we love anyone else. So mm-hmm. I think it's more just you you can be accepted for how you are. And exactly. I definitely, I mean, I, I completely relate to looking at those Victoria's Secret models, like Adriana Lima and all those girls. Yeah. Like, oh, I just want to be like them. Yeah, like it's not fair. Yeah. But you know what? 100%. The older I get, the more you just naturally love it. And you're like, you know, these little thoughts still come back here and there. But I think as like the world is changing, it's just creating a little bit more space for that self-love as well. Um, and Okay. So to get back to that little note that okay. I love that little note. Okay. So I changed from casting by Margot to by Margot because by Margot, um, had the umbrella of both casting and management. Mm-hmm. When that happened, I think I was by Margot for a few months and then I got sued. <gasps> yeah. Here's another lesson for anyone wanting to start a business. I didn't do a trademark or like mm-hmm. look into if my the name was being trademarked. I mean, I knew the industry very well since I've been a part of it for so long. And there was an agency that I'm not going to say, but the name was had Margot in it, but it was very different and it was spelled different. And I just, even if I didn't actually know about them, to be honest, but if I had about them, because they're a pretty small agency, I still didn't know it would have been any issue or that my name trademarked. I was just doing, honestly, I did everything from scratch by myself. I mean, I had business cards made by a friend who's a graphic designer. Other than that, I just did everything and just thought, oh, this is fine. Okay. And you learn as you go. (laughs) So this was a really big learning lesson. So, you know, I had like a website, everything, like the whole branding. And then I get this email and they say that I need to change my name or they're going to sue me. Mm. And I was devastated. I mean, I was like a disaster about it because I couldn't think of a name. I was just like, I tried to get a lawyer to help me. And it was like, no, 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 you need to change the name. Like yeah. they have a case. And I was like, okay, shit. <laughs> so I like bought all these books for like how to name an agency. Cause I just, I don't know. I had a lot of words and ideas, um, but nothing was necessarily sticking. Yeah. And then I went home to my parents for a couple of days and I have journaled since I was uh, like two, like honestly, <laughs> as long as I can write when we're writing like five, I have crazy, crazy journals of yeah. just every emotion and every feeling, what I ate that day. Like, just like the boys I had crushes on everything. Yeah. Um, and I sometimes just like go through the journals and like think about where I was in those times or just, you know, there's so many memories in there. And it was so random. I went back and I was looking through the journals, not looking for anything, just reading them. And I found 
a book. Oh, actually. So I went into my parents' attic and I was helping them clean things out that were mine. And I found a poetry book. It said Margot's poems. Oh, didn't even know this existed. <laughs> and it was all from, I think I was like 11 or 12. I forget exactly now, but I was anyway, somewhere between nine and 12. Yeah. And I had a book of maybe like 20 poems that I wrote that were very short and sweet um, and hilarious. And one of them was this um, home called dream, my dreamland. And as soon as I, so it's funny because I read it and I just started crying and I just felt, I don't know. I had like, I had a beautiful childhood in a lot of ways, but I think internally I was always very lonely and very sad to be honest Mm -hmm. and never really felt, even though I always had a lot of friends and I fit in externally, I just felt I just never really felt I had someone to talk to about like what was really going on. Yeah. And when I read this poem, it was kind of because the, the poem talks about like um, just wanting everyone to be happy and free and all these things. And I felt like, wow, it was so beautiful to see that even though I don't remember those happy feelings in me, that I still had these dreams of what life could be like. And then immediately I was just like dreamland. Also like for me, it was so like, I'm giving a gift to my child. Like, to yes. To your younger want. self. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. My, you, my dreamland exists now. Yeah. Uh, so that's how the name changed. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Which is also like funny. Cause I I'm really happy now that it's also like, it's nice to kind of not have my name involved. I just think it's, you know, you can always look back and be like these things that you think are so terrible and caused you so much stress. And then you're like, oh, but look like this evolved in this way. And now I can see the beauty in it. Yeah. So that's how full circle, everything is full circle. (laughs) Even, you know, journaling as an eight, nine-year-old, you know, I I love it. Those would have come in such handy. And especially in a time where you were like, oh, should I have to change this name? And then something amazing appeared. Like, yeah, I think you ask for the universe and you shall receive. Exactly. So thank you. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your story. I think just like your journey and everything leading up to the point of dreamland has been so beautiful. And yeah, I just, I love hearing these stories. So thank oh, you I'm so much. I mean, I'm honestly honored you asked me and <laughs> I can like help get any message out just on going for your dreams and yeah. not letting anything stop you and being persistent and not taking no for an answer and just being a dreamer. Yes, like, let's all be dreamers. <laughs> let's all we dream. all dream. <laughs> we all dream, exactly. And like we all I, dream in the dreamland. It we're aligned, you and yeah. I. Yeah. Um, so aligned. Thank you so much. Enjoy this beautiful weekend and and let's make a date for when I'm going to text you right after this and make a date. Okay. Okay. So much love for you. Thank you. Bye.